This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Well, friends, I want to take you back to 1995. How old were you in 1995? Think about that. Negative, negative nine? 21? 22? 1995. In 1995, I was at, um, in my final year at high school, and at the beginning of 1995, that's when I got serious about my faith in Jesus. I worked out this, this uh, Jesus thing was serious, and I, and I took it really seriously. And about July that year, I was approached by a, a guy in the, in the uh, church that I was a part of. He was about 10 years older than me, and he said to me, hey, Nathan, I want you to come on beach mission with me. And I went, what's that? I didn't know. I said, it's, and then he started telling me what it is. A beach mission is um, a program that runs just after Christmas for about ten days on on the coast of New South Wales, usually in a caravan park, where a bunch of Christians, twenty, thirty, forty Christians, go to that caravan park, set up t- set up tents, run activities for the campers, and share the message of Jesus with them. So I went. Here's a here's a, a, um, some photos. This is back in 1998. These photos were taken. There's a tent set up. This is me with, um, with balloons being stuffed into my father's overalls. Um, we uh, stuck the kids in the back of a ute, and that's how we, it's called scooping. You picked them up. And, and let me tell you, Beach Mission for me was brilliant. I loved it. I ended up doing 11 of them. 11 years in a row I did Beach Mission because I just think it was the best thing ever. It was like one of the highlights of my year. I loved it. I went when I was 17. The first year we had a leader named Mark, he lasted one year, and then after that we had a, a, another leader named Rob, he lasted about four or five years, and I was part of the team. And then after that, there was a new leader put in called Mark. And we did the first mission with Mark, I was there, and it turned out that Mark wasn't really excited about some of my behavior at Beach Mission. Now, it wasn't ungodly, but it was a bit wild. I'm still a bit wild, so take me back 15 years, and you can imagine. And for those of those who know me back then, they, would, they know that I was a little bit crazy. And so we uh, did that mission, and then we were getting ready for the next one. And everyone had an interview with the leader, and I sat down with this guy named Mark. And in this meeting, Mark said to me, Nathan, I don't want you to come on mission with us any- anymore. I was like, what? Didn't see that coming. Sure, I'm a little bit wild, but... I'd done nothing from my perspective that would cause me not to go. I was like, really? And friends, I was devastated. (laughs) I was like, this sucks. I was really, really hurting. I had some tears. I had some anger. I had frustration. I talked to him again, and he said, you can't come. Now, out of my hurt, I was hurting a lot. I went, this is not okay. So I wrote a letter to the person who puts in place all the leaders of the beach mission. So he's, he's, his leader, his boss. I wrote him a letter saying to him, this is how I was treated, and then looked at all the other areas where this leader wasn't doing a great job. And I, and I wrote that to his leader. Had an interview, and as a result of that interview and that, and, and that letter, that, that leader was then removed from the leadership team. From, from, from that team and then didn't lead a beach mission again going forward. Now, now two things on that. Number one is this. Maybe the, the, 
maybe the outcome was good. Maybe he, he wasn't the, the our best leader for the team. Maybe some of the ways he went about things wasn't great, and maybe he should have been removed. Maybe. But what was wrong was my attitude in doing it. I didn't write the letter because I recognized he was a poor leader, which was affecting the mission and affecting the team. I wrote the letter because I was hurting. I was really hurting. And I wanted to get him back because he hurt me. I did get him back, Scotty. I did get him, I did get him back, which is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Scotty, let's talk about this later. But the point is, is that because I was hurting, I wanted to get revenge because of how he hurt me. You know, in life, we all get hurt. True? People say things that hurt us. People do things that hurt us. And people don't say things that we think they should say, and that hurts us. True? And people don't do things that we think they should do, and that hurts us as well. Yes? See, in life, we all get hurt. But what's really important it's how we respond to that hurt that really matters. We all get hurt. We all get hurt. It's how we respond to that hurt that, that really matters. Have you heard this expression, hurt people, hurt people? Hurt people, hurt people. People who are hurting, hurt others. But I reckon that there are, no, there are a number of other phrases that you could insert. Hurt people, insert. In, hurt people, take revenge. But there's also positive things. What I want you to do, take 30 seconds, and I want you to fill out the phrase. Hurt people, give me some positives, give me some negatives. 30 seconds, 30 seconds, turn to the person next to you, and then we'll hear some of your responses. Go. Finish off the sentence. Hurt people, finish off the sentence. Positive and negative. All righty then, what do you got? How do hurt people respond? Yes. I can't hear it. Say it again. Hurt people, Teach. Teach. Interesting. Someone else. Hurt people need a hug. That's a good one, Ross. Someone else. Hurt people can be healed. Amen. Hurt people cause drama. Cause trouble. Trauma. Sorry, it's a Brazilian accent, Marcelo. Cause trauma. Sorry, Jess. Hurt people need assistance. They think of themselves. Hurt people think of themselves. They go shopping to cover their pain. They, 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 that's true. We've got three hands in the back row. Go, Roz. Hurt people. Say that. Big, big voice, Roz. That was beautiful. Say it again. Say it again. Hurt people can be kind to other people because they know how it feels. That's a beautiful answer, David. They are discouraged, yeah. Last one. They can internalize it, see if they're part of the problem. You know, when we're hurt, we can respond in many different ways. We can, respond, we, we can, we can respond in negative ways. We can hold on to the hurt. We can, hold, we can hold revenge and anger towards people. And that affects us in a negative way. It affects other people in a negative way. And God's, God doesn't want that for our lives. But then, like Roz said, I think the hurt can actually 
springboard us to grow and to change and to use it for good, we can choose to forgive. We can ask God to heal our hearts, and then we can use that pain as a growing experience where we can learn from others. Now, I started this message sharing my story of where I did it poorly, where I was hurt and I wanted to take revenge. Let me share you another story where I was hurt, and it turned out for good. You uh, might find it hard to believe, but I've always been one of the shortest kids at school, yeah? Shortest people around. And so when you're short, or if you're tall, or if you're fat, or if you're thin, or if you're smart, or if you're dumb, it puts a target on your back for bullies. Kids bully for whatever reason. Particularly if you're little, they can bully you physically because what are you going to do? I remember um, going to roll call most mornings, and I stood next to this kid. He was in my year, but about that tall. And he decided that he was going to punch me in the arm every time he'd seen me. Now, it, didn't, it wasn't life-threatening. It, did it hurt? Yes. And I expected it, and yeah, not nice. I remember another time I was in year seven at school, and not only was I short, I had the, this hair that was like fluffy. And there was, it'd be like Thomas Kelly's. And, and, and I, um, I was walking through the history block, and this kid in year 10, big, they're all big eight, all this big year 10, he went, look at that mop. He, he picked me up, turned me upside down by the ankles, and used me upside down to mop the floor. Yeah? Everyone went, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who laughed? Who laughed? There was a few laughers there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, laughing. And so I was, I was bullied a bit in high school. Now, I didn't have major hurt. The thing around the beach mission was much more painful than the bully thing. And rather than me being hurt by the bullying and then choosing to bully others, not that I was big enough to do that, but hurt others, yeah, I flipped it. And I went, that bullying thing isn't nice. I'm going to stand up for people who are being bullied. And now I still look out for the underdog, look out for the person on the edge, and I get alongside them and support them because of, because of my experience. Here's a question for you this morning. How are you responding to the hurt in your life? How are you responding to the hurt in your life? Now, I brought a, um, a couple of soccer balls today. This one's brand new, blew it up yesterday. And this one's, um, it's out of shape, it's well loved, been in the sun, it's been kicked, it's been chipped, it's dirty, it's, it's, it's beat up. And the reason I brought these balls today is to, to, for, to show you this, this idea of hurt people. Um, what am I trying to come up? So you can see it. So you can see it. Jake, little Jake, Angie and Stevens, kids like this one. Fresh out of the womb, almost a year, almost a year old. How old is Jake? Five months. <laughs> I'm the uncle. I should know that. Um, and, he's, and he hasn't been hurt yet, right? Maybe. Assuming he hasn't. Stephen dropped him off. This is time for confession. Stephen dropped him off the change table. Yeah, pushed him off. So Jake's like this, right? Nice, round, as it should be. Catch this, Nath. But as Jake grows, he's going to end up like this. People are going to say things to him that aren't nice. His parents are going to get it wrong and scar him for life. Because that's what happens, doesn't it? Our parents get it wrong and they scar us for life. He's going to go to school and he's going to be pushed over and people are going to say unnice things about him. And he's going to end up like this ball, a bit hurt. Can I have that ball again, Nate? 
He started out like this, and he's going to end up like this. And that's not just true for Jake, it's true for all of us. None of us are like this. We're all like this. We're all, best, we're all out of shape. We're all busted up. And if you try and play soccer with this, it doesn't go like it should. And our life doesn't go like it should because of how we busted up, because we've been hurt. But what's really, really important is, is, is how we respond to the hurt that we've received. So here's a question for you. How are you responding to the hurt in your life? Because you've all got it. I've got it. You've got it. We've got hurt. But how are we responding? We can respond in unhealthy ways. And here's just a few. Holding on to the pain. You can hold on to the pain and, and think blame and point the finger and you're so angry that you choose to hold on to it and actually becomes part of who you are. You can allow the hurt to hold you back in life because you're hurting in that area, you don't step out. Or maybe like I did, you could take revenge. And we could keep going on around the things that you could do to deal with hurt in an unhealthy way. But let's flip aside and talk about some healthy ways of dealing with hurt. Number one is this. Recognize your hurt. The first step in getting free of hurt is to get real about it. You've got to go, you know what? I am hurting. Second thing is choose to forgive them. Now, if you're here this morning and you think to yourself, Nathan, you don't know my story. You don't know the, the hurt that that person has done to me. Well, friends, you know, God wants you to forgive them. And whenever God wants you to do something, he doesn't leave you on your own. He helps you do that. So you can say to him, God, I'm hurting. I know you want me to forgive, but that person's hurt me so much. It's so difficult. God, can you help me to forgive and see what he does? Angie said, I don't want kids, but then she prayed. And God did a work on her heart. He can do it on your heart too. Three, then ask God to heal your heart. He's the healer of hearts. And finally, choose to live God's way. Honor people, love people, serve people. Friend, this is freedom from hurt. What I want to do for the next 15 minutes is take you through three Bible um, accounts where people were majorly hurt and look at their response. Here's the first one. I want to talk to you about Joseph. Has anyone seen the, music, the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? Has anyone seen that one? That's a bit, like, a bit like the Bible story, a bit like it. And this is what we're talking about. We're in Genesis chapter 37. And Genesis chapter 37 starts with a, with a guy named Jacob, who's Joseph's dad. Jacob has four wives. And he has, from those wives, he has 12 sons. The 11th born son is Joseph. Now, Jacob had many faults in his life, and one of the, main, one of the major faults in his life was in the area of parenting. See, Jacob had a favorite son. Now, parents, if you have a favorite child, your children don't need to know about that. That's a really bad thing to communicate. You can have it quietly. Shh, don't tell anybody. I think that happens in my life every now and again. But I just don't say anything except to my wife, maybe that's the only thing. But, but what, what Jacob did, he made it very, very clear to his children, to his sons, who his favorite was. He made it clear that Joseph was his favorite. And the other brothers, they went, hang on a second. How is that fair? How? That's not cool. And the Bible says they were jealous, they were angry, 
and they were hurting. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 37. Now Israel, who is Jacob, God changed his name later. Now Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made the coat of many colors and he made an ornament robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, Joseph also did things that weren't very wise. One day he had a dream, and then he told the interpretation of the dream to his brothers, which pretty much said that one day you guys are all going to bow down to me. They already didn't like him, and then he shares that story. Friends, they hated him, they were jealous, and they were hurting. And rather than being hurt and angry with dad, because it was dad that chose Joseph as the favorite, they didn't want to do that to dad, so they took the blame out on somebody else. And when you're hurting... It's easy to take the blame out on somebody else. True? They took their hurt out on Joseph. They were out one day with, with, with the livestock, and they decided they were going to kill him. And then one of the brothers said, no, let's not kill him. Let's sell him as a slave. Great. So they found some slave traders who were heading from where they were up in Cana down to Egypt, and they sold him as a slave. They're hurt. The brothers hurt, anger, jealously led them to a place where they sold their brother into slavery. That is really serious. Let's look at the other side of the story. Let's look at Joseph, the 11th born son, the one who was out with the livestock who were expecting his brothers to look after him. And they sell him as a slave. Imagine his hurt. How could they treat me like this? I'm never going to see my family again. I had a wonderful life here in Cana with my family, but now my life, is, my life is going to be over. But the Bible doesn't say he had any of those thoughts. They're the, they're the thoughts that I'm suggesting he's saying because what we actually see in the Bible is that, is that Joseph doesn't complain. Rather, he chooses to honor God with his life. He chooses to love God and love people everywhere he goes. So he, he ends up in a, in a prominent Egyptian's home and he gets given all this responsibility and then the owner's wife accuses him of raping her, which he didn't do, and so he's chucked in prison and the hurt builds up again. How does he handle it? He honors people in the prison and the prison guards recognize him and they give him responsibility in prison. God gives him dreams which he shares and, and the people go out and, and they're supposed to share the message and they forget about Joseph. And I can imagine the hurt building again. Eventually he gets out and becomes second in charge of Egypt. All this stuff has happened in his life and not once has he complained that, that we read about in the scriptures. But rather he loved God and he served people. And then at the end of the, at, at, at the, end of the story, there's a famine in the land for seven years. Everywhere is a famine. And God showed Joseph what to do. So Joseph piled up all this food and grain before the famine hit. So people came from all the other countries to Egypt to Joseph to say, we need food. And guess who turned up? His brothers. Imagine that. You're second in charge in Egypt. You've got all the authority. And these ratbag, dirty, rotten, scoundrel brothers who sold you into Egypt turn up asking for food, and they don't recognize him, but Joseph recognizes them. Now, how would you respond in that situation? <laughs> how would I respond? Here we go. You beauty. You beauty. But Joseph doesn't do that at all. He embraces them. 
He welcomes them and he gets the family to move down to Egypt. He loved them. No doubt he was hurt, but he chose love instead of hurt. He chose God's way instead of the desire for revenge. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 50. He says, this is what Joseph says to his brothers. He said, you intended to harm me, brothers, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Even though he was treated so poorly, God used it for good. And friends, that's a message for each one of us. God can take the hurt. I'm not saying that he gave you the hurt. I'm not saying that. But God can take the hurt and bring some good out of it. And for Joseph, he saved that, that whole area because of what God did through the famine and giving crops and God used it for good. That's the first one. The second one, here it is. Here's our phrase for today. We all get hurt. It's how we respond that really matters. The second story I want to point you to is from Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 1. And it's the story of Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus. Mary and Joseph no doubt grew up in a small town, small town, small town up in Nazareth. They most probably would have known each other through family. And most, most likely the families organized the marriage. Mary and Joseph would have met. They would have got to know each other a bit. And then they chose to honor God, so they lived in separate houses and and chose not to be in in a romantic relationship until they were married. During the engagement period, Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. This is what the scripture says here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged or engaged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a minute. You got this dream of marrying this, this childhood sweetheart. Most trouble you've known her for years, grown from the same town. You're about to get married. Do they do the honeymoon thing? I don't know. They're going to get a barley on their honeymoon. Let's make this up. And you're looking forward to it. They're dreaming about life and how many kids and where they're going to live and what, what's life going to be like as a carpenter and how he's going to provide for his family. And Joseph got all these dreams and all of a sudden he finds out that she's pregnant and he's not the dad. How would you respond in that moment? This is what it says in verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce or separate from her quietly. Man, what a good guy. Today, people would get on Facebook and say, that ma 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 did this, ma ma ma. They'd tell their friends, they text their friends, they'd put an Instagram post. They'd go, this is what's been done to me. I'm hurting and blah. Joseph would have been hurting. But he didn't go, he didn't go blur. He didn't leak it. He didn't pull her name down or drag her through the dirt. Because he was a guy, he wanted to separate from her quietly so her name would not be dragged down. In his hurt, he treated her really, really well. Friends, the reality is in life, uh, I better finish the story off before we get there. The story goes that after he chose to divorce her quietly, to separate from him quietly, we read that an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
And this is his response in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate, didn't have sexual relationships with her until after the son was born. Now, that's a big deal as well, getting married and not for... (laughs) That's a big deal. And they gave him the name Jesus. What a good guy. Pain, hurt, and yet. We all get hurt. It's how we respond that really matters. Last story. The religious leaders and Jesus. Friends, when Jesus walked the planet, Jesus taught about God. He healed people and a whole heap of the community loved him. People followed him all over the place. They came for healing. They thought he taught differently to the other teachers of the law. But the other thing Jesus did is that he picked on the religious leaders at the time. The people who were supposed to represent God well. They were representing him poorly. And so he picked on them. And the religious leaders didn't like it. They didn't like the way he went about things because it broke all their man-made laws. Mark Shum spoke about this so well last week. Encourage you to listen to the podcast. It was an excellent message. Mark broke down the Mosaic law as well as the traditions that the, that the religious, religious leaders put in place, which weren't God's laws. And from their perspective, Jesus was breaking those things. They were jealous of Jesus. They didn't like him. They were threatened by him. They were hurt by him. This is what we read here in John chapter 11. This is straight after Jesus rises, raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and then we read this. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests, the religious leaders, and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. That's when all the religious leaders got together in the Sanhedrin. They said, what are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing many signs. Then in verse 48, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. See, the the Roman Empire was in charge and they allowed the Jewish people to continue their customs and, and religion underneath the Roman Empire. They had a relationship. They were concerned what would happen if Jesus got more followers, that they would lose their place in society, that the relationship could be busted. They were threatened by Jesus and as a result, they were hurting. They were so hurt, so threatened, so jealous of Jesus. You know how they treated him? They killed him. They took him to a trial which should never have been a trial. Pilate said there's not even evidence to take him to trial, and yet they killed him anyway. They had him flogged within an inch of his life where they ripped off all the skin where you could see the bones and the organs within, within an inch of his life, and then they put the crown of thorns, the nails in the hands, and he, and he hung there to die. The hurt of the religious leaders led them to crucify somebody. That's how they responded to their hurt. But on the other side, how did Jesus respond? He was flogged. He was beaten. He was crucified. And in that whole time, he didn't yell out accusations. He didn't blame 
He didn't curse. Rather, he said this. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, if you've been in church for some time, you've, you've heard this verse many, many times. You talk about it a lot at Easter time, but I want you to look at it afresh. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That is not how I would have responded. And I doubt it's the way you would have responded as well. They treated him so, so poorly. Jesus was hurting physically. He was hurting even because he took on the sin of the world upon himself as he lay there on, as he hung there on the cross. The hurt of the sin of the world was upon him. And in that moment, he says, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. Friends, we all get hurt. It's how we respond to the hurt. That's what really matters. People say stuff to us. People do stuff to us that hurts us. People don't do things that they should do. They don't say the things they should say, and it causes hurt. It happens to all of us. We all end up like this dodgy soccer ball, beaten, out of shape, been in the sun too long, busted up. We're all like it. But it's how we respond to that hurt that really matters. I asked you, how do you respond to your hurt? And I gave you some things. I said, do you respond in unhealthy ways? Do you hold on to the pain? Do you allow that hurt to hold you back in life? Do you want to take revenge? Or there's many other things you could respond to your hurt. Or do you respond in healthy ways? Do you recognize that you're hurting? Do you choose to forgive? Do you ask God to heal you? And do you choose to live God's way? Friends, this can be really hard, these healthy ways of living. But friends, if you're struggling with it, if you're carrying this hurt and this pain, it's not helping you. With this thing, this, this, this ball that's out of shape, if you roll it down the aisle, it doesn't roll straight. It doesn't. It goes in all different directions because it's so bent out of shape. And it's as we forgive, as we let go, we sort of get back in shape a bit more. And forgive is about releasing the desire to pay them back. And as we do that, we get back, back in shape a bit more. And then as we start to roll, we start to roll in the way that we're designed to roll. Live the way that we're designed to live. How are you responding to your hurt? In a few moments... We're going to sing a song, and then at the end of the song, we're going to have a prayer team here at the front. And if you're carrying hurt, you know, you can deal with that today. You can deal with it just where you are in your seats. You just pray and say, God, I want to deal with this now. But sometimes it makes a difference to have someone pray with you. So at the end of the song, I'll invite the prayer team, and if you want prayer as, we, as I release you, we'll all go and have morning tea. There'll be people here to, to pray for you. And to help you find freedom in that area. But before we do those things, I want to say one more thing, and this is the most important bit. If you haven't heard anything I've said so far, please hear this. We've talked about hurt and how we all get hurt. We haven't haven't even talked about how we hurt others, but we do. When we do things... To hurt others, not only does it hurt us, hurt them, 
it also hurts God. And when we do the wrong thing, the Bible calls it sin, it's simply wrongdoing, that sin busts up our relationship with God. Our sin separates us from God. And God, who is the creator, the one who made it, he sets the rules, he sets the way the earth runs. And God says this, he says, because of our sin, we all deserve death. And it's not just a one-off death when we die at the end of our lives. It's an eternal death. The Bible talks about it as eternal destruction. The Bible talks about it as hell. The Bible talks about it as death, eternity away from God. That's how the Bible describes it. And we all deserve that because we've all done the wrong thing. The Bible's very, very clear on that. That's the bad news. But the good news is this. God loved me. God loved you, Dr. Nath. God loved you, Amanda. God loved you, Liz. God loves every single one of you, whether or not you know him or you don't know him, whether or not you're far from him or you're close to him, whether or not you even think about God, he loves you anyway. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that your wrongdoing could be dealt with. When Jesus died on the cross, he took your wrongdoing, my wrongdoing upon himself. So that when we come to him and ask him to forgive us for our wrongdoing, he says, I'll take it. I've taken. And so instead of you being seen as someone who's done the wrong thing, by asking God to forgive you, he sees you as someone who has had their wrongdoing dealt with, had their wrongdoing forgiven, having their wrongdoing done. It's over. It's finished. And then you can have a relationship with him. And let me tell you, a relationship with God is just the best, best, best possible life. I've been walking with the Lord for, I don't know, 30 years now, 20 to 25 of them seriously. And let me tell you, he's my anchor. He's my rock. He's my joy. He gives me purpose. He gives me direction. He frees me. He heals me. I don't know what life would be without him. Being with the Lord, friends, it is the best. And so if you're here today and you have not yet come to Jesus and said, God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I want to have a relationship with you, God. I want to go on this a life journey with you. I want to give you the opportunity right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to live a life that honors Jesus, if you want to be forgiven of your sin, if you want eternal life, relationship with God, pray this prayer after me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you pray that prayer for the first time, or maybe you prayed it many years ago and you prayed it again, friends, you become a Christian today. And let me tell you, that's the start of an incredible journey. Please tell someone that you prayed the prayer. Tell me, tell one of the people the prayer, tell Angie, tell Stephen, tell someone that you know that you prayed that prayer because it's the beginning of a journey with God and we want to help you on that journey. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.